0: you are listening to the scars and guitars podcast my name is andrew mackay smith and this is my conversation with a fellow called matt camarano the reason for the conversation was to promote his outstanding new ep called somebody else let's have a listen to what matt has to say here we go welcome to the show according to the press relief release weaving clever musical hooks and rhythms with an effortlessly charming vocal delivery Camerano's debut ep Somebody else bears the mark of a prodigious talent. So mate, on that note, what else can you tell us about the EP?
1: Well, yeah, it's pretty hard to <laughs> pretty hard to follow that up. Um, it's
0: some praise, it's good, but it's deserved yeah, mate.
1: Yeah, it's um it's a, it's a solid intro and uh yeah, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty pleased with how my um my E P is being received by friends and peers and also um, industry. So, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm on a high at the moment.
0: And just, just before the, we put the discussion to air, so to speak, you mentioned that you just won an award. So what was the award that you won? Or you've been nominated, I should say, for an award. So what's the award you've been nominated for?
1: Yeah, I was nominated for uh, Song of the Year in the rock category with um, Wham.
0: Fantastic. All right. So, when do they read out who's the who the winners are for the award?
1: It's mid mid May. There's a party, and at the party they announce the winners for each category. And, and how it works is there's I think there's sixteen categories,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there's a winner from each of those categories, and then they've got the song of the year, which is uh, generally at oh, always a winner of one of those categories, take home the big one.
0: Yeah, well, that's an all-encompassing award, isn't it? Really, isn't it? I mean, I know you mentioned the rock uh, thing, but is it is it for the rock category that you're up for nomination or have you also got a nomination in the Song of the Year? Is there is there an overall category for Song of the Year that takes into account all of the genres?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Every, uh-huh. every contestant or every nominee in the category is also up for the big one, Song of the Year.
0: Well, fingers crossed for you then, mate, and on the strength, as I say, of the music <laughs> on the EP, it's, it's phenomenal um, stuff. And I love it, and I've said this a few times during my podcast episodes and the radio show, mate, but I love it when music finds a home. Now, for me, your music is perfect music for me to put on when I'm driving the car. I don't know whether you have got that feedback before, of course, but what... Yeah, did, it's a bit. Well, did, yeah, on that note, mate, what other types of feedback do you get from people that listen to it?
1: Uh, what else do I get? I get the driving one a fair bit. I also get um
0: distinctive
1: voice a fair bit. mm mm-hmm. um, bit of a dog's breakfast between uh, all genres, kind of genre genre bench. Genre stuff.
0: splicing stuff, yeah, gotcha. Yep.
1: Yeah, don't mind don't mind that one. Yeah, they're the main things, but yeah, it means a lot to hear that you're enjoying the tunes. It's it's nice, it's, it really means a lot to oh, well, that's, actually connect. People. That's, well, it's, that's the whole goal.
0: Look, it is, and I mean, look, I've been an indie artist myself, so I know what it's like. It can be a bloody slog, can't it? But, you know, when you're talking to a bloke all the way across the other side of Australia who's giving you feedback that you've released one of the albums or the EPs of, let's just call it a collection of songs, sorry, of the year so far i genuinely mean that and i'd speak to people right across all the genres from hip-hop to metal to straight ahead rock to some more diverse stuff that that you're offering mate and so i i love music that can find a place no matter what sort of music you listen to and i'm gonna i'm gonna give you some pretty i don't know how so how i'm gonna frame this feedback here okay but i'll be direct okay daniel johns needs to call you because some of his stuff of late is knocked that crash hot, but I reckon if he gave you a call and said, "Listen, these are some of the ideas that I've got," I reckon you might be able to sort out some of the stuff that he's done with Luke Steele a bit better.
1: Oh, dude, that is that's a huge compliment, and I don't know how to take that because, um, yeah, Daniel Jones is in- incredible songwriter, and Luke Steele is a like one of my one of my all time favourites. Especially with um, Sleepy Jackson stuff.
0: Hmm.
1: That floored me. So uh, I really appreciate the feedback.
0: Oh, no problem, mate. No worries. And look, there was something else that I picked up on when I was doing my research for the interview. I read an interview where you mentioned social anxiety as a theme throughout the EP. So many people do deal with anxiety, and I'm one of them, to be honest, and I'll put that out there, and people deal with it on a daily basis. It's not something you can escape. So can you share any part of your journey dealing with anxiety, if that's the case?
1: Yeah, of course. Well, I was referring to the tune Somebody Else in particular. Part of the theme of that song is anxiety and, you know, being able to I don't know if this is a skill, but being able to or having to put on a mask or a persona in certain situations to get through it, you know, trying to, for some reason, having the need to protect that, uh, that true version of yourself or not being confident enough to have him out in every, every scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's part of what that song is about. It's you know trying to conjure up uh, this protective personality when you need to, so you can get through a mm. get through a certain situation. It could be anything, even like getting through a day at work, or you know a, a family dinner, a long lost family dinner. You know, sometimes yeah. you gotta. You gotta, you gotta find something. You gotta, you gotta dive into a, you know, an aspect of your personality, and you know, amplify that.
0: Yeah, I think anxiety a lot of the time. My this is my own take on it. Comes down to a crisis of ego, and a lot of the people who suffer from anxiety, they just don't. They almost feel as though um, they're not projecting enough of... Well, they don't feel as though they're enough. That's the right way of saying it. And it could be any situation. And I know for me, it came about through some professional uh, interactions that I had where I felt as I was a little bit out of my depth and I thought, oh shit, okay, should I be the person up on this podium here talking to people about it when a lot of the people in the audience know more about it than I did. so And I started to think about that way too much, but eventually I talked myself through it. But I think we all go through those moments at various parts of our life and it's really just about how we are able to ask ourselves some honest questions about what we actually do with that anxiety because anxiety, and I know this might not be the way everybody looks at as I say, but anxiety in itself can actually be quite useful really, can't it? Because it can teach you about what you've sort of got to improve about yourself in a way.
1: Exactly. If you can find a way to channel that into something productive, into some sort of self-awareness, And you can use it as a tool to grow.
0: Well, something that I don't think you need to feel any anxiety over, and we're talking about somebody else again, the track, so the cut itself, it's clocked up over 200,000 streams on Spotify, if I read that correctly online, which are simply staggering numbers for an indie artist. So, mate, what do you put that success down to?
1: that's That's a good question. I really don't have an answer. Uh, one day one day I was up there, the next it was added to a handful of uh, playlists and it was, it was all organic. Um and then just kept going from there.
0: Hmm. And the band that but you
1: yeah, it's it's a good it's a good sign because like you said it's it's pretty unheard of for a for an indie artist or someone early on in their career. But definitely Definitely gave me
0: some momentum. Well, I think if anybody out there is listening and follows my Facebook page knows of any other indie artists, I'm talking about indie artist that's, that's unknown and uh, is in a corner of Australia somewhere that has that many streams on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever it might be, let me know, please, because I can't think of anybody else that's achieved those sort of numbers. Yeah, thanks, man. You're a good friend. So, so, and look, the other, the other thing I was going to say was the band that you've assembled has a superb live sound based on the version of somebody else that is posted to YouTube. I've been listening to it a fair bit, actually. So where are the musicians from that you work with and how did you assemble such a wonderful cast of musicians?
1: Well, I, um, you're right, they're absolute guns and they're all, they're all close mates of mine. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, I've been playing in bands and recording and producing other acts for years. And yeah, I just drew drew on my mates when I when it was right to assemble a band. Um, and yeah, that means a lot to have them on board.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned something there. Of course, I think you're broadly known as an engineer, writer, and producer. So, who have you worked with over the years?
1: Uh, well, I actually learnt, actually interned with. Uh, Andy Lawson and Joel Quartermain that's where I that's where I learned how to
0: Eskimo Joe record
1: and, is that right? Yeah they're, okay. they're both Andy's also worked with Eskimo Joe and some other you know ridiculous names they're both they're both pros and I uh, I learned pretty much everything from those guys so yeah that's where I learned most of the engineering and production stuff and um, most of the stuff that I record now, it's it's for live videos. It's for it's for artists who are looking at looking at social media content. Mm, okay, we, um, we we whip up a little video for
0: them. Okay, gotcha. And were you a, fa- a fan of Eskimo Joe, or was it just coincidence that, that Joel's in the band and you ended up doing some work with him?
1: Oh uh, no, I was. I was a, Definitely a fan of the of some of their
0: stuff, no doubt. Their their album uh, it's probably what is it, fifteen years ago or so? Maybe not that long ago, but Black Fingernails, Red Wine. I think that was the best Australian album released up to that point, in my opinion. Phenomenal stuff. Those such a big sure. jump from all sure hits. Yeah, that's it. It was just seemed to come from out of nowhere. It was a big jump up from the album. I think it was called A Song of a City, the one beforehand. Um, I felt it was a massive yep. jump from that to Black Fingernails Red Wine and their crowning achievement, in my view, is Sarah, the song Sarah, which is one of the best pop songs that's ever come out of the country, I think, and it doesn't nearly get no enough doubt. credit.
1: No doubt. You know, Yes.
0: Yeah. It, great stuff. So great did, band, great people. Did Joel in particular give you any, um, I wouldn't say advice, but any what sort of words did he share with you about songwriting and the like? Because he can certainly buddy write.
1: Yeah. Uh well it was mainly just watching him work with artists and bands and just absorbing how he'd go about running a session. He was he was particularly involved in the pre production phase. So uh, getting hands on with the song and with the band before before producing. So that's the main thing I took from Joel. Yeah. To really get the song as strong as can be in its bare bones, and then once you're once you're in a position like that, you can take the production almost anywhere, and it'll stand on its stand on its own legs.
0: Yeah, it's that's the, I can definitely relate to that. I've I've been in situations where I've walked into studios, and you've got cheap principal songwriters still trying to work things out at the eleventh hour, and it's Frustrating is probably the most polite word that I can use to say the least. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you've been there yourself. Yeah, you I know wanna... you've been there. <laughs> as in, t- you've yeah, you seen bands be, come you know, in and be that way.
1: Yeah, exactly. You don't. You don't want to be working out the the chorus as you're recording or producing it. You want you want the foundations of the song to be solid and strong.
0: Yeah, or you get these principal songwriters who get very enamored with the an engineer's idea or something like that and they end up rewriting songs and you know, two days worth of work I'm in the rhythm section and the bass player ends up getting thrown out the window because they've had to redo the drum beat and you think, Oh god, here we go. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean.
0: Yeah, I've I've spent a whole weeks um recording albums, maybe not whole weeks a week recording albums and just stuff getting junked because as a bass player you're putting a your bass line down to a drum line and you think everything's perfect and then you leave and go back to your day job or whatever it is you do and whatever it is I was doing and, and only to find out that the album comes out but the drumming and the bass playing has been removed because the principal songwriter decided this is when I was doing a lot of session work has decided to go in a completely different direction so it's like well I've just I mean from the perspective that I've had to take a week off work and go and do it and you sort of think well there's no guarantees in this business as you bloody well know but uh it can be frustrating. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So what's um, super frustrating
1: as a as a session player no doubt.
0: Oh it's it's par for course but I did a lot of unpaid work as well just cuz I was trying to get a name. No regrets and no complaints I mean it's only because we're talking about it that I'm mentioning it. Actually, a few firsts, I've done well over 200 interviews and this is the first time I've talked about this, so it's good to sort of have air this one and and people who um, are musicians can sort of relate to it as well because I do get quite a lot of musicians listening to the podcast. Um, But yeah, I mean, look, if I was ever going to go back into session work and do that stuff again, it would be with um, people who I really felt had their, excuse the language, shit down pat absolutely before I walk into a studio because I don't know how many peppermint teas and packets of sayos you can eat and drink before whilst you're waiting for the call to go in and do your part you know that that five minutes in the day that you got to do your part as a bass player <laughs> just do that now Julia I mean, <laughs> yeah so here's a good question for you what inspires you to create going back to where we started this conversation it's
1: partly about connecting to people I think I I actually struggle sometimes to connect, um, you know, face to face in conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one. That's one of something that I always have to work on. So I think part of it. I'm, this is something I'm just realizing now. The longer I do it, part of it is that desire to just connect, connect on a connect on a deep level and actually convey complicated feelings to someone Mm. or to people, you know, which is very difficult to do in conversation or, you know, at a family dinner, you know, trying to, trying to say that, like, it's not, it's not always black and white. There's a lot, there's a lot going on and, and music is a very rich uh, way of communication, very rich art form, and you can you can communicate all sorts of feelings and meanings with music, especially when you've got when you've got a strong theme and a mode of um, a mode of music to back it. You can really you really paint like painting feelings kind of or painting yeah. conversation
0: yeah that's a really good way of putting yeah, it, it's an it? Yeah. instead of using language you're using music to communicate
1: yeah that's it and often the stuff I write about it it has got multiple layers it's got it's got depth to it which it's hard to get across um, just having a chat to someone
0: Hmm. Okay. Now, what 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 artists in particular inspire you? You, were, you know, when you were growing up and you're in your early teens, what artists did you lean into back then?
1: uh well, I think the first stuff I was listening to was, you know, stuff my my parents were playing, obviously, which was uh classics like um, you know, what was that it was like the Bee Gees? I'm used to play a lot of Bee Gees. Yep. Um. Like sex pistols, A C D C uh that, that kind of stuff, Beatles obviously, all that all that good stuff that was Yep. Big on the radio in, in the sixties or seventies and eighties I should say. We used to take take my dad's car out for driving, just blast
0: <laughs>
1: that's some of my fun memories actually, just blast music down the freeway We'd go for a driving
0: that's nice, yeah, yeah, and what about shows and future plans? Have you got some plans on coming over to the eastern states and and honestly on the strength of the e p do you think you'll manage to get to Europe or North America oh that's
1: that's definitely a stretch as you were as you were alluding to before it's very difficult to make make viable, especially at the the early stage of Early stage of your career mm-hmm. um, especially without the help of you know a grant or some sort of label who can throw some cash away
0: mm-hmm.
1: so if i was if I was to tour assuming the right opportunities came my way, I would most likely do it solo just with just on guitar because I think it would i think it would financially cripple me if I didn't have any support. Yeah, it's really expensive, especially
0: from over here. Yeah, that it is. I'm, yeah, I'm
1: certain you know about it.
0: Oh, it's it's horrendous. I don't I don't know how else to put it. You know, it's um I don't know how many bands I've spoken to. I'm based in, here in southeast Queensland, and I live between the Gold Coast and the Sunshine Coast. And I've got a real thing with my mate David Dean on the Sunshine Coast. We want to put on some more bands. We actually want to open up a venue. We're talking about it now, but dear God. Um, how much money do we want to lose before we start making money? And that's opening up a venue. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> yeah, and, and there are no guarantees. Exactly. It's just a, It's a, the business side, the artistic side of it is, is the most fulfilling thing I could ever imagine. The business side of it is one of the most demeaning things and um, it just gets you down, the, the business side of it really, doesn't it, when you look at the financials. But I think you're spot on. I've always felt that, as an artist, particularly someone like you who has such a wonderful collection of songs, as so long as you can s- sit on a stool or stand up, whatever it might be, with an acoustic guitar, just you and your songs, you're going to go far. You're going to go somewhere.
1: Yeah. 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 It's really tricky to make a full band tour working. I've, I've been in uh, bands and we've toured as reached each and it's a heap of fun. There's no doubt. And... You do make you do make momentum, but there's definitely a stress related to it, a financial stress, and I really don't want to get that that feeling mixed up with making music. I I never want to resent or have to feel like I've got to I've got to I've got to make it pay for itself. I've got to make music pay for itself. I, I don't have negative feelings towards making or playing live shows.
0: Mm, that's a really good point, a massive starts, point. That one.
1: I think it's where it starts to die. It's when the love of music starts to die. When it when you're, you know, when you're relying on it to to, to pay, pay the bills. bills. Exactly. It starts become a job.
0: Yeah, and the resentment that it can build up, doesn't it? I mean, you start thinking about it, all that being forked out on gear and even rehearsals, the whole thing. If you run a spreadsheet like what I do. And you, you start to project how many gigs that you need to do. And I, I play covers music, so it's fairly easy for me to earn money doing it. But I think at the rate that I'm going where I'm playing every second weekend, a lot of weekends I do play one after the other, but it's basically every second weekend at this point, mate, it'll be 15, 20 years away before I pay back even just what I've bought in gear alone. Exactly. You know, I'm talking lights yeah, I'm, and PA, really, the whole thing. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm really making a conscious effort now to... Not to get, not to get to that point where I resent making music again. I feel like I have to do it to, to make ends meet.
0: Hmm. All right, look. Finally,
1: this when you stop writing songs.
0: What's that? Sorry, about these songs.
1: I said. Th- I said, that's the point where you stop writing songs.
0: Yeah, or or your songs, a lot of bands start to write material that they think is going to become popular. That's the other thing. Or they start leaning into what's popular and it never, ever works out. The only way to do it is to, you've got your own voice and your own musical narrative and you just keep mining that. As soon as you start trying to be somebody else or trying to become something that you think is going to be commercially successful, I don't know how many examples bands need, but it happens every I wouldn't say every artist because there are plenty of artists that remain true to their own creative news, but more 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 than not, more often than not, an artist or a band is is not just tempted, but they actually do go and create music they think is going to yield a bit more of a payday for them, but it inevitably backfires. And then they have to sort of, you know, they're, they're very dedicated fan base a lot of the time that they're pissed off in the process. They have to sort of go cap in hand back to them. And have you noticed this thing, that bands are touring playing the one album, so the biggest album in their career. Have you seen that? I have. Yeah. I think, now this is only my view, I think a lot of that is bands trying to bring back a lot of the core audience. You know, Weezer have done yeah, it. Yeah. Heaps of bands have done it.
1: Yeah. You're right. And going back to what you're saying, like people can they can sniff out authenticity in a second. They know when you're being real.
0: They can. Mate, i better wind things up. This has been an excellent chat. Thank you so much for joining me. The final question that I've got for you is if people want to get in touch with you and if they want to find out more of your glorious music, how can they do that?
1: Uh, They can hit up the usual spots, Facebook and Instagram, uh, also on Spotify and all of the, the music streaming out there. So, yeah, the usual spots. it's been a pleasure having
0: the chat, mate. Likewise, brother. Thank you so much. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and you are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. That was my conversation with Matt Camerano. Thank you so much for listening.